TransformerStuff.com presents In the Holding Room with Christian Abbott. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me in the holding room. My name is Christian Dabbin. I hope you had an amazing week. We have an amazing episode planned for you today. I hope you think, okay, sorry. No need to adjust your podcast player speed. I'm just being silly because I'm really excited about today's episode and I just want to get right to it. But I want to tell you a few things first. We have in the performer spotlight, the amazing Claire House. Hopefully after last week, when I told you to YouTube her, you did and you saw how phenomenally talented she is. Uh, if you didn't know already, So I'm excited to welcome her in the holding room. In my Thank You Five segment today, I'll be talking about being likable, and I'll be giving you some tips and tricks on how to do that. We've had a lot of people on the show talk about in the audition room, the casting directors are looking to hire people that they want to work with. Well, once you get the job, you have to stay likable because you don't want to burn any bridges. So I'll be giving you some tips and tricks on how to stay likable. And then in our professor's corner, one of my dearest friends is back. And we're going to be talking about staying positive and how to do that, how to keep that creative flame fanned. And we'll also be talking about taking care of your mental wellness in this crazy industry we call the theater. All this coming your way in the holding room. Performer Stuff was created to meet the needs of folks just like you, performers, educators, and professionals in the entertainment industry. At Performer Stuff, you can search our online store for monologues and music for your next audition or to use in your classroom. On our More Good Stuff blog, you can access hundreds of articles and how-to lists created just for you by industry professionals. There are dance and voice classes and workshops at PS Academy. Plus, you can download podcasts and shows just like this one featuring performers and entertainment pros from around the world. Basically, it's an online community just for you. So check out the website at performerstuff.com or follow us on social media. I am so thrilled to welcome our guest today into our Performer Spotlight segment. She is a true triple threat, a leading lady of the West End stage. Just to name a, a few of her credits, she was Judy Haynes in White Christmas. She was Sarah Brown in Guys and Dolls. She was Peggy Sawyer in 42nd Street. She was Kathy Selden in Singing in the Rain. That's just a few of her incredible credits. You might've had the opportunity to see her in the film adaption of 42nd Street in 2019 or in Gypsy in 2015, some of her cast albums you might've heard her on. So you have the opportunity to see and hear how incredibly talented she is. But today you get to see how kind and gracious she is. Please welcome to our performer spotlight in the holding room, the incomparable Claire House. Claire House, it is wonderful to be speaking with you today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking me to be on here. Well, you well, have definitely been the talk of the town. You're, the productions that you've been in in London have just simply been outstanding. I mean, being here in the U.S. and being able to stream some of those shows on programs like Broadway HD or YouTube and seeing you perform, I you just knock our socks off. So you're truly a triple threat. And I know our audience would learn so much about the process of getting into some of those big productions. So I was wondering if you could take us back to to one of your auditions and what did you prepare? What did you sing? And and walk us through that that experience. So yeah, I have one audition that really sticks with me, even though it was a long, long time ago. It was one of my first auditions. And um, it was, I'd, I'd been out of college a few months. I'd done a couple of jobs 
Um, and this job, this audition came up and it was for Wicked the Musical, which everyone was talking about at the time. It was the most exciting job around, but um, I couldn't get an audition through my agent. I had an agent, but I was new on the block and um, I didn't get seen. And I saw in the stage newspaper that they were doing open auditions. So I decided that I would go. And um, I so I joined the massive queue of people and I was again, I was sort of straight out of college. I was very fresh. I'd, I'd done a few smaller jobs, but this was sort of my first big audition experience for a commercial musical. So um, yeah, I joined the queue, very nervous and eventually got to the front of the queue and then they said, oh, no, you, they send you away. Can you come back at a certain time? So it's like this sort of roller coaster because you think, oh, I'm not even at the front. I've got to go. So we went and sat in a cafe and then came back. Anyway, then uh, began the audition process for Wicked. Um, I'm going to stop you right there because that's good to know. I mean, some people might not expect, you know, that part of the process. You stand in line and you're making progress. You wait there for an hour or two. You finally get to the front and it's actually not to audition at that moment. So that is a very, you know, that's a very good scenario to, to bring to light that that could possibly happen. Wait, and, wait for hours just to wait for more hours. <laughs> yes, but yeah. And especially when you're nervous and if you're in, if you're in the UK and it's freezing, <laughs> but I mean, open auditions were quite, common back then this was about 10 years ago 12 years ago um and in the UK they're less common now so I don't know and by open I mean um not through your agent just any you know it's advertised and anyone can go yeah um so I think there should be more of them because it gives every, everyone the opportunity especially if you are you know someone that hasn't got an agent or you know anything like that it gave me the chance to to get involved in a big show that I wanted to be in yeah. um so yeah so I eventually I got in the room and um there was, there was lots of people um it was a dance round first I was going in for ensemble and um we did we learned a bit of the routine of the show and then we ended up having to do double pirouettes one at a time okay and then the process began of the of the cutting um so they sort of whittled us down. Okay, can I stop you there? With so you you started off with a dance call and you learned choreographer choreography from the actual show. Wow. That's right. Yeah. So it was kind of, was it more of a jazz routine, maybe a musical theater piece, um, and just probably what a couple bars uh, of choreography. Yeah. So it was about because it was an open audition. There was lots of us. It was probably yeah. about two or three eighths worth of of music. Um, so, and it was one of the most kind of beautiful bits in the show, a lovely, uh, it's kind of that mix between contemporary and jazz wicked, isn't it? So yeah. it was something that I really liked straight away. And I remember being like, oh, I really want to do this well, because I know that it's something I'm enjoying, like I could understand the style quite quickly. Um, I know a lot of people stress over what they wear to audition. So what, what did you wear to, to this opening dance call? Yeah. And I remember this really vividly because I got it really wrong. <laughs> and I remember I wanted to look like I wanted to look kind of cool. And everyone that was in Wicked in my eyes was really quirky. And and I wore kind of quite a baggy top and sort of I remember they were like three quarter length, probably quite gross. But at the time I liked them uh, baggy trousers. And I remember as I started to go through the rounds and um, the the British uh, director, um of the British team she said I remember she said to my agent Claire needs to wear more close-fitting clothes because we can't see her body 
And um, and so from now, from then on, really, for all my auditions, I'll wear. Obviously, you want to flatter yourself, but I'll yeah. try and wear something so they can see your body because sometimes it is important. Yeah, they got to see your lines when you're dancing, and yeah, okay. yeah. But there's clothes flapping around. It's not good. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you told us that. Thank you. So the <laughs> and then a double pirouette and then a cut, and then a cut, and mm. then. From what I can remember, there was quite a lot of cuts throughout the day. You'd go in and you'd sing perhaps 16 bars of your song um, and then sent home. So I, I, I got through the cuts to the song bit. And then I remember you feel like you've had this huge day, yeah. but you've probably only been in the room about half an hour, not even that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you're exhausted because you've been on a little roller coaster uh, adrenaline can wear you out adrenaline can be your biggest enemy when it comes to your stamina oh, i have to ask what what did you sing for your 16 bars so i i remember this as well really vividly and i've sung this song for quite a lot of auditions um it was the girl in 14g by janine tesori um made famous by christian chenoweth yeah okay um why why that song i loved the song in college so I, I I remember we used to do performance classes in college and um we used to have to sing in front of the whole college when you get to your third year you'd, you'd get up and you'd sing each few weeks you know everyone would have their performance solo and that was one of mine that I remember I really enjoyed um but I do remember from my audition and then I took this forward is that we all loved, you know, especially, I mean, I loved Christian Chenoweth at the time. I loved Wicked. And she has that specific kind of uh, sweetness to her voice. <laughs> and I remember the MD saying to me, I want to hear your voice. I don't want to hear you kind of trying to mimic someone else's voice. And I was young. I just, I'd listened to her so much. <laughs> but actually, then when I relaxed into it and just gave my own voice, then it was much better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a great point. I'm glad you said that. I, I those casting directors are looking for what you can bring to the table, not sounding like what somebody else can bring to the table. So that's that's a, a great point. That's a that's a great that's a great song selection too. I think if you love a song, your personality will come through it, and those casting directors will see your personality shine through. So I think that's a, a wise decision to make in choosing a song for auditions. Yeah, definitely. And and I think because it was one I knew well, when everything else is so overwhelming and you're not used to auditioning, if you do know the song and it's quite settled in, even if it's a challenging song and it makes you nervous, it it's great because then you're not worrying too much about your technique. You're just gonna go for it and you feel comfortable. Yeah. All right, so you make it through the day. <laughs> you're totally exhausted. Uh, <laughs> do you know you're coming back yet or are you waiting for a phone call? I think I was waiting for a phone call. Um, so eventually, did get that phone call. And then I ended up, the people that they'd kind of uh, selected from the open auditions, they then joined with the people that they'd selected from the closed auditions who had been auditioning through their agents. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of stepped in together and you carried on the process of recalls of which there were quite a lot um, for Wicked. Uh, you, you, I joined that process. so. Every audition I was doing was obviously being filmed for the American team um, because it was mainly the Brit team, creative team, taking the auditions. So it took a while sometimes to get the news because obviously everything had to be shared between America and London. Wow. 
<laughs> so, so you have several callbacks. Were you given material to learn and to come back and present? Were you given songs or sides or? No. So, and that is what uh, really changed throughout, I suppose, my career as I, as I progressed. Um, I loved it when I started getting material for roles and getting to, to go straight in and just, you know, sing for Glinda, for example. But at this point, uh, back then, I was just being seen for ensembles. So mainly I was, uh, Wicked has two segments within their ensemble. It's very subtle, but they do have dancer track and singer tracks, which is really rare. And it doesn't mean that the dancer people don't sing, yeah. but it just means that sometimes you sway towards one and I was being seen for a dancer track. So a lot of my auditions were kind of dance based. Mm -hmm. um, I remember that quite vividly. I remember doing the monkey round because there's all these flying monkeys in Wicked. And I remember having to sort of leap around on the floor and lose all my inhibitions, which I remember at the time just thinking, well, you just got to go for it, haven't you? Just be a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> when that creative team told your agent she needs to wear more form-fitting clothes, did you take that feedback at, the, at your next callback and wear something else, wear something different? Yeah, absolutely. I, I really did. I just totally changed I think I just realized that it needed to be, you know, close fitting, leotard, whatever. And I really needed to be able to move and that the hair was back and all of that kind of thing. And then did you wear the same thing to the next callback after that? Because I know a lot of people say, oh, you should wear the same thing. That way they can recognize you. So did you wear the same outfit again? Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. I'm trying to remember. I think I would have probably had some sort of consistency, yeah, especially because there are so many of us. Yeah. If it if it wasn't exactly the same, it would have been similar. But I think I probably would have worn the same, yeah, um, just so they could identify me, I suppose. So then how did you find out about the outcome? What happened? Yeah, I remember that day really well because, like I say, I really was desperate for that job. And um, I remember getting a, the phone call from from my agent. And it is it is it is exciting. You know, no one can you've been through all of that. And then when they give you the thumbs up and say, you know, you've, you've got your first uh, contract in the West End, which is what, you know, what I'd wanted since I was a kid. I just remember being like completely overwhelmed and and, and I I absolutely took the job and I had a great time. So let me ask, how did you get your agent? You said you had your agent, you were just out of college. People seem to go about getting their agents different ways through, through concerts or submissions of videos. How did you get your agent? Yeah, so I think I was quite lucky. Um, when I was in college, I they did various shows throughout our third year. So I went to a college called Arts Ed in London and they invite agents to come and watch you, which is obviously really helpful, but you're all competing at that point. You're all this, pretty much the same age, lots of similar people, all basically competing for, for the agents. And I remember feeling quite a lot of pressure, mm. um, but I was lucky. I didn't have, you know, lists of agents coming forward, but I had one um, that I really liked and I just went for it. You know, it, it saved any problems of trying to decide because there was one agent and it's still my agent now um, and I've stuck with them and they're great so it turned out well but I know that there's there's other ways of getting agents like you say you can you can write to them you can organize meetings video uh, representations of yourself um, 
So there are other ways of doing it if you're not lucky enough to get one yeah. when you're in college. So, I mean, those were your early days auditioning for, you know, the ensemble. Um, you mentioned, you know, now you get, you know, set material and you go into your agent calls. You know, what are, what are those auditions like when you're not even submitting a song necessarily that you've picked? They're giving you a song to sing uh, and they're, they're, you're up for a specific role. What is that process like for you in, in preparing for that audition? Yeah, I, I really enjoy this. And I think because it, it was such a big deal for me when I realised that I was being seen for roles, even at first if that was understudy roles and being handed the material, it just gives you a bit of a head start in a way because you're not trying to kind of figure out what song is going to be right. They give you the song that is right because it's the song for the character. <laughs> and, um, and I find it really enjoyable. Uh, especially if it's a song that you think, oh, this is, I really like this. It's obviously harder if you get a song and you think, well, this is out of my comfort zone. Um, and preparing wise, I think that's just the key, isn't it? For any audition is just prep. So get the song like into you, get the, the script and the sides really, you know, I'm not saying obviously you have to learn them, but make sure they're so familiar to you that you can then in the audition be a bit spontaneous or take the director's notes and be able to listen and not panic about thinking about the words too much. That's, that's great. I mean, that's great advice. Having it so much into your body that you're able to listen and take direction. Cause I think a lot of people are so nervous or they're, they're so unfamiliar with the material that they can't even think of a different way of doing it because they haven't learned the first way of doing it. So no. that's, that's great advice. How did you learn that material? Do you play the piano? Do you have a vocal coach? Do you have an accompanist who can help you learn those songs? Yeah, I mean, there's different ways I've done it in the past. I'm, I'm quite lucky because my husband's a musician. Hey, <laughs> so, well, there you go. <laughs> you know, but there, there comes a point when he might have been on tour and I'd be like, can you please play this song for me? I need it for tomorrow. You know, the audition's tomorrow or whatever, next week. And he'd sometimes be like, well, no, he, he, sometimes weirdly on tour, their keyboard is all is all linked up to the system in the theatre. So it didn't actually make a sound, you know, it would only come through the speakers during the show. So, yeah, sometimes I'd go elsewhere. So I'd ask maybe a singing teacher or, you know, there's great opportunities online now for accompaniments. So sometimes that's the way forward as well. You know, you're you're a very accomplished dancer. You're a phenomenal dancer. What, what, um, what advice would you give those dancers who are auditioning and maybe, you know, maybe they're not as talented as you are vocally, but they can, but they still want that musical theater life. They still want that musical theater job. Uh, what advice would you give that dancer that has to go in and sing at, for their auditions? Yeah, I mean, it just, it takes time, I think, to build confidence, you know, especially if you are a dancer, uh, kind of first off, and that's what you've really trained in, um, to then kind of like get your voice to where you feel confident with it is a whole different thing. So uh, my advice would be, um, because I know how they feel, is to just take loads of singing lessons, <laughs> um, is to practice, and also when you're in the audition approach it maybe like you would your dancing so approach it from the character and the acting side of of it and 
that is what well, you know basically what you want to do is is get the story across and if you know if your voice cracks whatever like just don't worry just it's more important that they've seen that you've offered it up and you've gone for it and that you've engaged all the technique that you've learned so far and then the more musicals you end up doing then you do build a stamina in your voice and and you learn more technique basically but I, I definitely understand how they feel the dancing side of things you know that comes more naturally to some of us and then the singing side of things for me was more something I literally have and still do it's not as easy so you have to whereas some people just sing and you know it's like <laughs> yeah. easy as pie <laughs> that, that's great I, I mean I I was a dancer you know and and a, a singer second maybe third um but that's great advice. I mean, uh, embody the character, act out the scene of the song. If you're, if you're nervous in your vocal quality, you know, control what you can control. Be the character, act out the scene. I think that's that's great advice, Claire. I, um, of course, mm -hmm. taking vocal lessons <laughs> and just keep taking yeah. vocal lessons will, of course, help your confidence and help your technique. Yeah. But until that time comes or, you know, sing a song that you love and that you can embody the character. So at least the casting directors can see that you're committed to it and you brought something to the table. I think that's, that's mm -hmm. great advice. Thank you. What, what advice do you think, uh, well, what's, let me put it this way. What is the best advice that you ever received? Ooh. <laughs> I feel like I've taken dribs and drabs along the way, you know, constant things coming your way. Sometimes you don't even realise someone's giving you advice because they're doing it so cleverly. <laughs> but um, recently I worked with a lovely director called Nikolai Foster and in a show White Christmas here in London. And it was choreographed by Stephen Meir, who I've worked with a lot over um, time. And both of them gave good advice throughout the rehearsal period that I've sort of known, but just hearing it again was really good that when you're in a rehearsal space, it is a safe space to, to be brave and to let go. And that's one thing I've always really struggled with is just to sort of just go for it, you know, be, be a bit fearless and offer something up. Um, but they made this, they, they gave us all such good advice and good uh, safe surroundings that, we felt like we could be brave in that rehearsal room. So I think that's good advice I've received. Yeah. So I'd probably try and pass that on as well to just kind of go for it. Yeah. You know, that, and that's, that's like the advice that a lot of us received in sports. Like our coaches would say, you know, if you're going to make a mistake, make an aggressive mistake, you know, we can always yeah. pull you back. And that's, it's the same thing. Like go for it. If it's not right, we'll pull you back. It's a safe space. So you don't yeah. know what you can accomplish and, or what you can become until you put it out there. That's exactly. Claire, I can't thank you enough for your time today and sharing your experiences with us. If our audience wants to get in touch with you or follow you, how can they do that? Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been lovely to chat about it all um, and look back as well. If anyone wants to follow me on Instagram, I'm at Claire House. Um, and if anyone would like to look at my website, it's clairehouse.com. Um, I'm occasionally running the odd tap workshop or, you know, updating you with any news of the future. <laughs> That's great. Check it out. I mean, Claire's work speaks for herself. You can YouTube her and check her out her performance on 42nd Street. It's unbelievable. Claire, I want to bring you back, if you're willing, to come back into the, to the, for our lightning round. I am willing and ready. <laughs> Claire House, are you ready for the lightning round? 
Ready. Here we go. What's the first Broadway soundtrack you ever obsessed over? Wicked. <laughs> Go-to song when singing in the shower? Uh, good morning from Singing in the Rain. All right. Cake or pie? Oh, um, cake, but maybe pie if I lived in America, because I know pie is good out there. <laughs> <laughs> Show you wish you could go back in time to be in? A chorus line. Well played. Yeah. Who is someone that if they punched you in the face, you would not be mad at? <laughs> I feel like I have to say Kristen Chenoweth because I'd just be so thrilled to meet her. <laughs> Even though I think she's probably quite feisty. <laughs> I get that feeling too. That's a good one. Yeah. If you could do one show for the next five years, what would it be? Ooh, ooh, um, I would do... Mary Poppins. Oh, bless. <laughs> Say good day, mate, in Australian accent. Good day, mate. <laughs> All right. Stephen Sondheim. <laughs> <laughs> Sondheim is writing a musical about your favorite childhood toy. What is it? Beanie Babies. Beanie Babies. Yeah, I don't know what the music would be like, but. <laughs> you could do something with that. <laughs> South Pacific or Oklahoma? Oklahoma. Sour Patch Kids or Swedish Fish? I don't know what these are. Oh, these are candies. I'll have to send you some. <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, I'm just going to say both so I can try them both, but we'll I see. like any candy. All right. Seeing how you don't know what they are, I'll take both. Normally, I wouldn't accept both, but okay. I'll have to send Thanks. you some. <laughs> Which animal adds more joy to the world, squirrels or llamas? Llamas. Yeah. Go-to cast album when on a road trip? Uh, waitress at the minute. All right. Mm. Next superhero to have a new musical? Um, oh, Wonder Woman. Has to be a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Duet you enjoy singing both parts to? Um, a Whole New World, Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I show up to an audition. You haven't seen me dance or act and you haven't heard me sing. What do you typecast me as? Ooh, um, ooh. You're very intelligent looking with your oh. glasses. I feel like what, the wise friend. The wise friend, I like it. Yes, <laughs> I, I take advice from you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Claire, thank you so much for, uh, for being a part of this. Thank you so much for sharing your experience with our audiences and indulging me in the lightning round. I wish you all the best and I can't wait to see you back on stage after the world opens up. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. If you have a huge audition coming up and you don't want to search through the same old monologue books, check out performerstuff.com. Our custom search feature lets you narrow down exactly what you're looking for, get a quick preview of the monologue, then print it out. Plus, lots of materials come straight from the playwright, so you won't walk in with the same monologue as everyone else. It's the easiest way to get your audition or classroom monologues. Search, preview, print at performerstuff.com. Obviously incredibly talented, but as I mentioned, kind and gracious. Claire House. 
truly. Thank you so much for being in our performer spotlight and joining us in the holding room today. A couple of things I want to circle back on and just really take note of. I, I loved how she talked about her MD or musical director asking her not to sing like Kristen Chenoweth. You got to be yourself. You got to be your true, authentic self. She gave advice to dancers who maybe aren't as confident singing to really dive into the character you know, act that song out until you gain the confidence uh, and until you've spent more time in vocal lessons. Really dive into the character when you're at an audition so they can at least see that your level of commitment for that. I, I love that piece of advice. And the advice that she got from Stephen Meir about really going for it and because they created a safe space in a rehearsal room, I love that too. The director needs to see what you're capable of doing. But I also want to take that a step further or a step deeper in really go for it in your classes, in your dance class, vocal class, acting classes, go for it. Don't have a fear of being judged. You're paying to be there. So see what you can do. See what happens when you truly go for it. They can always pull you back, but they can, they would rather see you go for it than you be a wallflower, a quiet little mouse in the corner and everybody's curious about what you can do. So truly go for it. Once again, Claire House, thank you so much for your advice and for your time and for joining us in The Holding Room. On today's Thank You Five, I wanna talk about something that several of my past guests have mentioned about the audition process, and that is being likable. Now, that's one of the criteria that they're judging you on. Not only can you sing, dance, act, fit the part that they're hiring for, but also are you likable? Do they want to work with you? Do they want to hang out with you every day in the rehearsal room or out on tour or in the theater? You know, are you going to fit the culture or the family that they're trying to create for the show? So you have to be likable in that audition. But let me take it a step further because you have to remain likable throughout the rehearsal process and the run of the show. Now, as several of my guests have mentioned, and as you can probably read in any business book or on LinkedIn, you know, 90, 80% of your future work is gonna come from your network, you know? So you have to remain likable because your network is gonna help you sustain your career. So how do you do that? Now, when I was a young performer, 15, 16 years old, getting my first professional jobs and equity shows, you know, I ran into a couple of issues. One of them was being eager. Yeah, it's great to be hungry and you're young and you want to absorb it all and you can't wait to, for the rehearsals and you can't wait to get on stage. But I was being called eager and I was being called green. Okay, Mr. Green, because I was showing off my inexperience or okay, Mr. Eager, because I was in everybody's face. And I heard that and that's really important. When you hear things like that, you have to take action. So I heard people calling me eager and I had to back down. I didn't want that to be my, my, my entire reputation. So don't be too much of anything and listen to what people are saying. So when I was being called eager and green, what I started to do was look at the respected members of the company to see how they were behaving. How were they talking? I started to mirror that and mirror their body language. And I really learned a lot just by not talking as often and absorbing what those respected members of the company were putting out there. So make sure you do that. Just back up and watch what's going on from people that you admire and that are respected by the creative team and the rest of the company. Also ask questions, genuinely get to know people. You should be asking more questions than making statements about yourself. 
assume that everybody has something to teach you because in fact, everybody does. Never assume that you can't learn from anyone, but ask questions. Talk to the lighting designer. How did she get there? Talk to the head costumer, the head wardrobe person, the prop maker, you know, fellow cast members, talk to them, ask them questions about themselves. People love to talk about themselves. And when you get them to open up, they feel special. And you made them feel special by doing that. And they'll remember that. And that will help expand your network and get people on your side and get people to believe in you and like you and trust you. So you know, ask people about themselves and ask for advice as well. Be humble enough to say, what can you teach me? Like, how can I do that? You do that so well. I want to do that. So ask for advice. And, and speaking of which, compliment people. You know, don't kiss anybody's butt that is totally transparent and you will lose a lot of respect for that, but genuinely appreciate people and their talent and their gifts and compliment them. Sometimes it's embarrassing. Sometimes they, they don't want to hear it, but get good at it. It'll go a long way. Stop showing off. Stop trying to impress people. That's a very common thing for young performers to do. I did it. Don't do it. You're taking focus away from where it should be. All right, work hard, have a great work ethic, be ready to go, practice, but don't, but stop showing off and, and stop trying to impress people. You got the job. If you're in a negative place, remove yourself. Everybody has a bad day, you know, remove yourself. Don't be the complainer. Don't be the negative person. Remove yourself for a day or for an hour until you get into a better mood and snap out of it. Just Nobody likes hanging out with that negative person. Also, a couple quick tips as well. Always take the note. If a choreographer, dance captain, director, somebody is giving notes, take the note. You will hear in your career, company members complain, just take the note, usually under their breath, just take the note. You do it often enough, they're going to start complaining to you or to the company manager or stage manager. Just take the note. I don't care if you did it right and they still give you a note on it. Always just thank you. That's your response to a note. And never, ever give notes or ask questions for other people. As an example, does the hat go up on three or does it go up on four? Because I'm doing it on three, but I see a lot of people doing it on four. Don't ever do that. If it really bothered a choreographer or a dance captain, they would have given a note on it. All right, just do your job, do your show. Never give notes to other people about what they're doing wrong and never ask questions for other people as well. You will lose respect real quick, all right? So stay likable throughout that performance, throughout the run of that show and rehearsal process. Your network is gonna help you get future jobs. Stay likable and thank you five. If you need music for an audition or a voice lesson, Performer Stuff's got you covered. PerformerStuff.com offers not only full music sheets, but also 32-bar and 16-bar cuts, pre-selected by our on-staff music directors with an intro and easy-to-read sheet for your accompanist. If you need some help practicing, you can download an audition bundle with the sheet music, a vocal lead, and practice track. Plus, the audio on the track matches the sheet music, so you can walk into your audition knowing exactly what to expect. As always, our search feature makes it easy for you to find what you're looking for. So when you need music, come check us out at performerstuff.com. Today in Professor's Corner, we are joined by one of my dearest friends, musical director, conductor, composer extraordinaire, the incredible Sean Michael Flowers. 
Sean Michael Flowers, it is wonderful to see you again, my friend. How you doing? I'm I'm great, Christian. I, I should do this because you uh you were like, what are you prying on first episode? But um yeah, uh, I'm good. I'm good. It's always this is good available for video on performerstuff.com. I know a lot of people are listening on the podcast platform. So some of those things like what are they talking about bowing and praying for? Like, well, if you watch this on performerstuff.com, you can <laughs> well, see. Well, then that's, they, it's just going to draw them to performerstuff.com and then they'll have to watch the video and then they'll be able to put faces with names and uh, yeah. that'll be good. That's absolutely yeah. right. And that they can right. see how much your office has grown since the first time we've talked. And then now you've completely. Correct. And then the it. mess that is accumulated. Oh, oh, you can't see my puppy is right here. So if you see her in the background then you'll just um, June's making a cameo. You know, when we look at the industry that we have chosen as our career, you know, there's there is a lot of emotional ups and downs. Uh, it is a roller coaster of a of a career. And from my experience, from your experience and those that we mentor and coach and train, I think it's really important for us to take a moment and, and maybe talk about maintaining that balance, maintaining that mental health and that positivity in an industry that can be so volatile, even without a pandemic. <laughs> oh yeah, 100%. You know, I, I it, it's such a tricky conversation because on one hand, you know, I, I want to put out the caveat that you nor I are mental health professionals, and and I don't I don't attest to be, and I I, I don't pretend to be on any levels. Um, uh, and but my uh, years I, in the green room chatting with casts and complaining <laughs> and stressing <laughs> those, those don't qualify me with a mental health background. Right. Well, you know, I maybe we get like one of those like you know degrees for like you know whatever like life achievement of sitting in green rooms or something. I I don't know, um, but it, it's been interesting because I think I think if you know, one thing that I, I, I tell my students all the time, um, and this is a little bit of a, a right-hand turn, but um, whenever they're done singing, you know, they'll finish and they'll go, ah, oh, Sean, I blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and that only happens for about the first two or three lessons. And then I say to them, and I, I start their first lesson, I say, okay, you are in a place, and listen to this, everyone right now, you are in a place and in a world where all you're told all the time is what you're not doing well. Your 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 um you know your turnout isn't good enough. Your your foot should be flexed here. It shouldn't be. You know you're not singing that in tune. You're you're whatever it is. You're not believable in this scene. And and you know in this um in this place where we're trying to be authentic and we're trying to to self actualize. We're trying to come into some place where we really feel like we are alive as artists. The first thing that we have to do um, when we're done doing anything is to make a deposit back into our account. And this is what I tell my students all the time. You get done singing and sometimes the only thing you can say is, Oof, I got through it this time. Um, you know, I remembered 80% of the words instead of 60% and Oof, I finally got the high G or whatever it is. Like make those deposits before you start writing the checks and going, okay, this is what I've got to work on because if you all you're doing is writing checks all day, you will be bankrupt as you, I'm, I'm telling you bankrupt, like metaphysically, metaphorically, whatever, uh, when it comes to your artistic self, like you've got to find that thing. That's a little off topic, but um, I, I guess it's still on topic to no, some degree. It absolutely is on topic. It, it absolutely, you, you got to make the deposits before you write the checks. Yeah, you have to reward yourself. You have to acknowledge what you've accomplished. You, you have to acknowledge what you've done. And it's a great point and it's, Perfectly. And sometimes it is just as little as I got through it and getting through it sometimes has to be enough. You know, um, the, the, the other piece of this, and I, I think, um, you know, 
look, uh, mental health is such a tricky thing. And, uh, you know, the thing is, is that uh, we have to, I think, as we're coming out of this, we're, we're trying to create a new, um, I think, uh, a world where we're, we're kinder to each other in some respects. And that also means being kinder to ourselves. That doesn't mean that like we rest on our laurels or that doesn't mean that we don't want to achieve success or that that doesn't mean that we can't still be competitive against that person that's in the room and want to still beat them in that audition room. But it does mean that we can be kinder to ourselves when we are feeling like we're um, uh, less than or that, um, you know, we're, we, um, Not I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's not just, it's not just during this pandemic. I mean, if you choose this as a 100%. career, you know, you are being judged. You know, most of the time people go in to a job interview and they're being judged on their skills and uh, if they fit the culture of the environment of that work location. And unless you choose or don't, you know, you could have one job for the next 20 years. Good. And very rarely does that happen in theater. You know, you know, for a, a lot of us, you're being judged at, you know, every six months, at least if you land a job and you're not auditioning all the time. You know, we go in, you know, to audition after audition after audition after audition, and we are constantly being judged. But, you know, like Nicolette Hart said, you know, they're not there to judge you. They're there to cast a show. They're rooting for you. But you are always help. rooting for you. Yeah. And you can't help. And I, I couldn't help being disappointed. You know, because except I'm, I'm going to tell you, you, you were, um, you were kind of like the anomaly. I remember thinking at one point you'd come home from auditions and you'd be, well, you, I think we said it in a previous episode where you had said, I always looked at, you know, going to an audition as like getting a free masterclass in dance or getting a free dance class or whatever. And like, that was always really cool, but you were always pretty good about, you'd walk in the door and be like, that's it. And then you'd say, no, I, I, I knew, I knew I, I didn't dance very well today. So I, you know, I, I was done and I was like, but uh, how'd you know? No, no, no. Let, let me stop you because the, there is still an audition to this day that haunts me. <laughs> really? I, yeah. I mean, 20 years later, the original Broadway cast of Saturday Night Fever, I walked into that audition knowing I had it in the bag. I, I knew the choreographer. I knew the associate choreographer. I pretty much kind of knew what they were going to teach. And I, uh, um, it was awful. I didn't pay attention. I thought I had it before I walked in the door. And I just embarrassed myself for not, for assuming too much, for assuming I knew the choreography. And when that choreography changed, I was like, wait a second, I wasn't paying what? attention. <laughs> I thought we were doing that thing that I learned from these guys that I worked with before. You know, and that audition still haunts me because of how I wasn't in the right mind frame and how I embarrassed myself because I knew Arlene Phillips and I knew Karen Brown. I knew those, and they're like, Christian, yeah, that's a, that's a tough audition? one, man. You're totally defecated on the floor here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I mean, I only revisit it every once in a while. It's not like this haunts me, but like I, most of I only the- revisit it like once every uh, six hours. Like it's-, <laughs> <laughs> it's been over 20 years. I can't believe it's been over 20 years on Broadway, but, but uh, I think about that audition and yeah, I was, you know, if I, if I did terrible in audition, most of the time it was a great dance class from a choreographer I never worked with, you know, and that was a wonderful thing about, I think, how I tried to find that balance in, in going to auditions and being judged. But there's still those times when I, I, I feel embarrassed and I, yeah, you have to let that go. 
It didn't you stop do. me from going to an audition for them again. There you go, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I actually, I, I don't know why this popped in my mind, um, uh, but I started thinking about like end gaining and like how we, you know, put things in it, like in front of ourselves. Like when I, when I do that thing, they're going to think this of me. And what we've done is basically create something. We've already created this point that we have to live up to before we can actually like be in the moment. And so it's like letting some of that stuff go. Um, uh, and I think to some degree you going like, well, I've already got this in the bag. It's like, you've already put that up. You actually put an obstacle in front of yourself by assuming that you had it in the bag because, well, I'm going to do this, this, and this. Well, what if you don't do that, 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 you know, we've still got to be in that moment. And if you're not in that moment, because you're still trying to serve this other thing, then you're kind of dead in the water. Um, so, um, you know, I, uh, I, I wanted to, you know, talking about like, um, you know, staying balanced and all of that, um, there's a great book um, by Julia Cameron Mitchell called The Artist's Way, and I think it's just celebrated 25 years. Yeah. Um, do you know this book? Yes, of course. You introduced me to this book back in high school. <laughs> Did I really? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? I, I'll be an advocate for it yet again. And yeah. hey, Julie, if you're listening, I don't know you, but you can go ahead and mail me a check. Um, so, uh, uh, no, it, you know, what, what I love about this book, um, and it is, it, it is a process, um, but, you know, there are these things called morning pages, um, uh, which is... Um, really about non-edited thought and allowing yourself to um, basically, I think, purge and, and um, um, sort of get through whatever it is. You're not to read it. You're not to, I mean, you can read the book. You can go into the specifics of that. Um, but that's one important thing. And you might poo-poo that. Um, but there are things called artist state and like taking yourself out and planning an evening. Like, how are you taking care of like your artistic soul? Um, how, how do you, how are you doing that? And what are you doing? And making sure that that time is preserved and that, um, you know, you're not on your cell phone, you're not taking calls, you're going, no, tonight is, uh, tonight I'm treating myself to a dinner and I'm um, with my artistic self and I'm exploring whatever that means. Like, um, anyway. No, it's doing those things intentionally. You're absolutely right. And that's the key to it is you're not on the phone, but I am going to this restaurant to fill my artistic soul. I am going to, you know, look at the presentation of the food. I'm going to enjoy the ambiance. I'm going to soak up and maybe I'm going to, depending on your craft, right? Maybe I'm going to make right. stories of all the other patrons or what the waiter's backstory is and just kind of be in that moment. And, you know, it, I think it changes for as I said, Everyone. whatever craft you're in, but you're appreciating the architecture, the art on the walls, you know, the taste and the presentation of the food, but you know, wherever that may be, maybe it's at a park, maybe it's at a museum, maybe it's just a movie, you know, there are, you know, going out intentionally and having that artist date with yourself, yep. you know, or, or maybe like a trusted advisor or a friend that, that you can be open and honest with about your craft and about what you're seeing. Uh, somebody that you don't want to edit yourself or feel like you're being judged by whoever you're with. Right. Um, but those are great, great moments when you can just come back home and just feel like your soul has been like, ah, I did something for me. You, you know, know? It, isn't it? Um, well, June, June, well, June just brought her bone. So she's having an artistic date with her um, bone. Good girl. Um, you know, isn't it crazy though, that like, you know, you don't go to the doctor because you want to go to the doctor, you go to the doctor because something is wrong, but like, we don't often take care of ourselves until we identify that there's a problem. I now I'm going to focus on my mental health because uh, I'm depressed or I didn't get that role or so-and-so broke up with me or, you know, whatever, like there's, you know, there are other factors coming into our lives that we're having trouble processing or just really feeling like it, we're in the thick of it. But if we're proactive about our mental health, 
yeah. we're proactive about our connections with people. Like for instance, every time I talk to you, you refill my well. You make me feel better as a person. And it we could talk about we could talk about the weather. We could talk about shoes. We I mean we never talk about shoes, but we could talk about we could talk about anything. Yeah. And the fact is, is you make me feel better as a person. You're just one of those people in my life. I care about you. Um, and so like. Having those meaningful, you mentioned mentor relationships or, um, you know, artistic dates, like the proactive, the proactive um, behavior is more, uh, I think, important than the reactive behavior, because when we're already in it, it's sometimes too late to, to just go, you know, okay, now let me pick up the artist way. No, like the idea that you're proactively trying to keep yourself balanced is, I think, the most important thing. I've said this before, and it bears repeating. I didn't create this, but I love it action leads to motivation. Yep. Motivation doesn't lead to action. Action leads to motivation. You got to go, you got to start, you got to do, you know, and, and, and I have been in those moments in my life, you know, where I wasn't motivated to do anything, you know, where I was upset or I was disappointed or I was jealous, you know, sure. and, and, you know, and I would end up eating, you know, out of the ice cream cart and watching TV. <laughs> you know, I, but, I've never, I've never done that, but I've action, never, ever done that. That's <laughs> I think, I think in the artist way I learned, um, uh, I think it was, you know, Mark Twain who didn't finish his sentence when he was done writing for the evening. That way he knew oh. where to start the next day. You know, that way he would have something to start with. He would have an action to take, which would motivate him to keep going. I think it was in the artist way I learned that. But either way, that's a great, it's a great trick. But I, sometimes you just don't feel like doing anything. And I get it. But you, if you wait for motivation, 90% of the time, it's not going to come. Action will lead to that motivation. Well, and, and, and to that end, it is the action. It's the proactive it's the proactive that we're really talking about. It's saying, you know what? I don't really feel like doing anything, but tonight I'm still going to go, whether it's morning pages or evening pages, however you end up framing this in your life. You know, if that's something that speaks to you or whether it's meditation or it's connections or whatever it is that, you know, is helping you stay balanced um, through this pandemic and outside the pandemic, whatever that is, that is the action that that proactive action that's going to, um, we should may maybe reframe that as proaction. Proaction, I like. Pro <laughs> but who is you know, you know? Well, thank you for saying that about me. I mean, you definitely refill my will as well. Oh, thanks, buddy. But who is that for you? And I'm talking to our audience. Do you have yeah. that person who just, man, just picked up the phone, just talking to this person helps, and you you need to find one. You know, if it's a mentor, if it's a peer, and maybe it's a. I don't know, maybe it's a long less friend, but, but try to find that person that, that you can just completely be you and not be judged. Because I'm yes. going to say this too. I wholeheartedly, with everything in my being, love my wife. But I cannot be wholeheartedly honest with her about all things. You know, we went to, we've been starting yoga for the first time. I do yoga next to her and I feel like she's judging me. <laughs> <laughs> So like, instead of being in the moment and being in the class and staying there, I'm like, I hope my wife thinks I'm cool. I hope, <laughs> I hope I, my wife, these, like, these are the things we can't tell her. Like, you can't be like, <laughs> did I look good in that downward dog? Or like, what well, was <laughs> like, but, but like, I can't help but to think that. So I think the like, next time we go to yoga together, you know, I'm going to let her know, like, I'm going to, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to sit on this side of the room because we've just, I mean, I've been a dancer for years. She's been a dancer for years, but this is only, we've only done two yoga classes ever. And she's amazing. Um, 
but like, she's not judging me, but I still do that to myself. Mm-hmm. And so I can't completely be myself and completely relax and learn what I need to learn because I have some self-imposed thing about my wife judging me. The idea of comparing yourself um, is so hard to not do. Yeah. Um, looking at somebody and going, oh man, you know, they sing, they, I wish I sounded like that or, you know, their dances, but wow, they really capture that scene, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, lighting lights, man, they really have a way of capturing this or whatever, whatever it may be. You know, and we might have mentioned this in in one of our previous discussions, like we want the best you, like the most unique you is like, you're the best you that exists on the planet. There is no other you. I don't want you to be in a Dina Menzel in in an audition. I really want you to be you and me go mind blown. That's incredible. Like, because you're the only you there is. And so if you can start eliminating even part of that, which I believe that perfectionism, comparisons, those are all a cancer that that will eat the artistic soul alive. So oh. be you, you know? You know, one of the tricks that I used to do when before I went to an audition, especially an audition that I really wanted, if I really cared about it, this is, and it's, there's gotta be somebody smarter in psychological knowledge who can interpret this. <laughs> One of the tricks I used to do before an audition was I would go shopping, right? I would do that. Uh, I hate shopping. That, that, that aspiration, but I would do aspirational shopping. So I would go look at an apartment. I would go look at a house. I would go look at a car. I'd walk the car. I would walk the car lot of a car dealership and go, ha, I'm going to get that car someday. Or that's the apartment I'm going to get. That's like, amazing. I, would, I would do like stuff like that, you know, just like probably like a day or two before the audition, I would make sure that I, and I would do some aspirational shopping when we lived. In I thought Vegas. you were talking about like picking out like, you know, yeah. sheets or like towels and like, I think I'll buy these washcloths. No, there, no. You know? Like when we lived in Vegas, I would go to like the forum shops, the really expensive places and like walk past like the Gucci or Louis Vuitton store and go one day I'm going to, you know? And so I would do yeah. that kind of, I don't know what it's called that, you know, when you have a vision. I think you board. said it right. Aspirational shopping. Yeah. Right. All right. I'm going to write a book. Aspirational <laughs> shopping. I bought it. I'm buying it. <laughs> How to become your better self through aspirational shopping. That's right. I'll work on the title. And meanwhile, don't spend a dime. <laughs> it was a really good, you know, it was a good psychological trick that I was envisioning the future that I wanted. You know, and, and part of the step was going to but, this audition to get the next job so I could afford to get that car. You have to be able to see yourself in the work though. Like, you know, that's, that's all about that, like creative, that creating that energy, creating your future. You know, if you can see yourself achieving in whatever it is that it, that you're going out for, if you can see yourself, what does it look like? Who's surrounding you? You know what? The people that are complaining in the green room aren't the people that are going to be surrounding you in that vision moving forward. It's going to be the people that are like focused and getting it done. And when you start to consider that cast of characters, well, you know, that sort of changes your now um, if you're thinking about your, you know, your future. Um, Thank you. Like, you know, Oprah. Yeah. But there, I know John Lee Dumas says it, but I'm not sure he's the one who created it, but you are the sum of the five people that you hang out the most with, right? The five people that you hang out the most with you're, that's who you are, you know? So who are you choosing? Who are you choosing to hang out with? Are you, are you, you know, people who have a positive effect on your life, people who are smarter than you, people who are, you know, can teach mm-hmm. you something? Are you hanging out with the wrong crowd that's going to bring you down because you are the sum of the five people that you hang out with? so if we're talking about that mental health thing and we're talking about how we stay yeah. balanced, like 
who around you is balanced, who around you is taking care of business, who around you um, is, you know, um, has that voracious appetite and is like pursuing the work and pursuing their future. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a really interesting perspective too, man. We could t- definitely write a book. <laughs> well, we'll take all of these conversations and put them in a handy dandy notebook for you. That's to right. Keep in your pocket. <laughs> um, I, last thing I want to say, um, and, and I'm uh, sorry if I'm going long, but um, I want to applaud uh, performer stuff and I want to applaud you for what you guys are trying to do here. Um, you know, having, having a forum, having, um, you know, I've, I've listened to the episode so far and what, I, I mean, yes, I was part of two of them, but uh, what a great advice, um, you know, <laughs> me aside, like, you know, listening to, to the stories that's, that have come before and um, the tidbits that, um, man, I wish I had had those tidbits when, then when we were going through it, um, uh, uh, there's just, there's so much positivity um, that I think you guys are sending out into the world. I, I'm so honored that I get to be part of that positivity, but, um, you know, just kudos to you, you know, congrats on the launch of, uh, you know, in the holding room. And, you know, I, I'm just, I'm excited for what this, this will continue to be to so many uh, young artists. So. Thank you. It's a, it's a craft that we both love and I want to yeah. share the positivity of it all, but also you're absolutely right. I wish I had this when I was younger, so I better create it <laughs> or help create it. So yeah. I'm extremely grateful to Performer Stuff for, for helping out and, and, and I'm appreciative of you and your efforts. And yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Don, it's always wonderful to talk to you. Let's do it again. All right. All right. Don't threaten me with a good time. Hey, and if ever anybody has some other thoughts, you know, you can check us out on Facebook at in the holding room. Let us know what you know, have any questions, have any suggestions, you know, we'll be happy to answer any questions you may have, or maybe create an episode around it. So thanks for tuning in everybody. Join me, Mark Pawsey, your host for pro series on performerstuff.com with friends and colleagues from the entertainment world whom I've had the pleasure to work alongside during my illustrious show business career. Together in conversation, we share our knowledge, experiences, wisdom and passion for the arts. From Broadway and the West End to theme parks, cruise ships and everything in between, Pro Series will bring you tips on how we succeeded in this industry that we love and respect. Pro Series, conversations with the pros brought to you by PerformerStuff.com. Sean Michael Flowers, once again, thank you so much for joining us in our Professor's Corner, always an inspiration. Claire House, thank you so much as well for sharing your time and your talent with us in our Performer's Spotlight. All of y'all, thank you for listening. And if you want to engage with the show, send us a message on Facebook or on Instagram. You can hit the link in our show notes to send us a message. On next week's episode, Anita in Broadway's revival of West Side Story, the incredible Desiree DeVar will be joining us and you don't want to miss that. Thank you so much, everybody. We'll see you next time in the holding room.